Welcome to The Yoga Voice, a podcast by City Yoga, School of Yoga and Health. Our guests discuss how the contemporary practice of this ancient art transforms the lives of individuals and communities in the Midwest and beyond. City Yoga has been a center for the practice of yoga and yoga teacher training since opening in 2002. Join us as we explore how yoga inspires and transforms. Dave here once again, and what a conversation I have in store for you today. This was a really fun one with Lori Cyril. She's a longtime yoga teacher. She's a teacher of teachers. She leads trainings all around the world. She founded the Firefly School of Yoga and Massage. She's also a writer, an actor. She founded a 5013C nonprofit called Fighting Eating Disorder, and She's a person that just tries to give back, give back to the community. She's a longtime resident out in Santa Monica. And she just is like a fun person to talk to because she has this enthusiasm for life and yoga and travel and just being herself. And a lot of the things that our yoga practice teaches us how to live. And she's just this great example of just vibrant, vibrant soul. And she had um, one fun little thing in her journey out in L.A. She came up with this idea for a, a comic strip, and it got picked up by the L.A. Yoga Magazine and other places. And So she's the creator of Lady Yoga Superhero, and what an amazing way to tell the story of yoga through, through a comic strip. And I hadn't thought about that before until I read it, and I saw how what a valuable tool this is to communicate the message of yoga. So she's been traveling extensively the last couple of years, so we got to catch up and find out what all's going on with her and uh, trainings throughout places like Costa Rica and Nicaragua and uh, Cambodia and throughout the U.S. So I do hope you enjoy this delightful conversation with this uh, enthusiastic soul. Dave Sims here at the Yoga Voice. Welcome to all our listeners out there. And let's give a nice warm welcome to Lady Yoga, Lori Cyril from our, um, coming in to us from Atlanta today. And welcome, Lori. Hello. Namaste. Namaste. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Hey, well, it's been it's been too long since we have had a chance to chat. I know we chatted on the phone a little earlier, but but yeah, I mean, really excited to hear about everything that you've got going on in your world today. And to that was my dog. I'm so sorry. That <laughs> shorty. That oh. shorty. She's screaming. She always wants to be the center of attention. Ah. The Beyonce of dogs. Well, you know what. Shorty can be on the podcast as well. That's fine. Yeah, the Pupcast? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the Pupcast. Yeah. So, so tell us, I always like to start out with the little question about what is inspiring you about yoga today? And yeah, that can, you can take that wherever you want. Okay. Um, well, <laughs> that's interesting. What inspires me about yoga today is that I'm still doing it. <laughs> um, <laughs> 
It seems like a surprise. Um, it's sort of the longest thing that I've really committed to, <laughs> more than any relationship, uh, more than any place. Now, well, not quite as as long as any place that I've lived, but um, it really has just kind of enveloped my life. And I'm still amazed at how many people are new to it and embrace it. And I think that's why I keep traveling with yoga because it's still, it keeps me in sort of the beginner mind state and also really fresh with the way that I can share it and, and spread the word, the good word of yoga. Yeah. Yeah. That's kind of what keeps me inspired. It's more than the postures, you know? Yeah. Well, you, and you've been in the, in it for a long time. Why don't you talk a little bit about what your life was like before yoga, what transpired to introduce you to yoga and the training and the teachers that impacted you and how your yoga life looks today. Wow. Um, yeah, it was a hot mess before yoga. I mean, I'm still kind of a hot mess, but um, <laughs> a definitely more peaceful hot mess. Um, yeah, I was, I mean, I had dabbled in yoga a little bit when I'd first moved to Los Angeles um, from Boston, from, from where I was going to school, and, and thought it was a little pretentious, not like it is at all now. I mean, it's totally accessible but sometimes it can be a bit pretentious even even in this day and age where it's you know throwable rock and you can find a studio um but i didn't feel like i belonged necessarily i thought it was too quiet and and someone with a big personality like mine wouldn't really fit in um and so i kind of went back and forth i knew it was a good thing but it wasn't until i had moved to new york city I had had a bad car accident in LA and just needed a minute, moved back to New York City, which is where I'm from originally, New York. And, um, you know, it's weird to say, but it was, it was 9-11 when, when those buildings came down and I was sort of spinning around like a chicken without its head, um, or like a spinning top. I just had to change my life. I thought, you know, all of this, this, Stuff is happening around us and it's terrifying. Um, just change it now. So I had this teacher, actually I think I went to their very first class, the very first class that they offered at Sonic Yoga in Midtown West and um, started practicing there pretty regularly. And then that shift, that freaking shift happened where it was just like it seeped in slowly. My teacher, Lauren Hanna, was a little firecracker. She still is. We actually just talked a couple weeks ago. Um, and God, that was almost 20 years ago. Almost freaking 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, and she was the one who was just like, you know, you're, you're an actor, you're you know, a comedian. Like, you can do this as your day job. Why not? Just do this as your day job. So I said, whatever you, whatever you say, Lauren, <laughs> I literally was like, whatever you say, I will do. So I took their, for maybe their first, or no, it was their second teacher training there. Okay. And, and that's it. That was it. I was like hook, line, and sinker. I mean, I had practiced for a couple of years before taking the training and practiced, dabbled with it a little bit in LA with, you know, Brian Kest and, and Sheba Ray and, uh, Saul, uh, Saul David, right? Like all of the, like the celebrity yogis that 
you know, we revere now, but back then it wasn't, you know, they were kind of just regular yoga teachers. They weren't super famous then. Yeah. Yeah. And then, um, yeah, it was just kind of like the, the most effortless thing ever. You know, I've, I've strived for a lot of things in my, my old age, in my lo- long lifetime. And this is one of those things that just kind of came together so effortlessly that I couldn't help but just, you know, go, go with the flow, literally. Right. Well, yeah. that, I mean, when, when things are effortless, that's, I feel like that's one of the, like, we know, we know we're on the right path. Yeah. I think it's okay to meet a little bit of resistance, like have a little bit of the pushback or that whirlpool effect kind of, kind of thing. It makes us kind of work or fight a little bit harder um, mm-hmm. and definitely pushes us outside of our comfort zone. Um, I often feel like I'm out of my comfort zone pretty regularly. And I think that's why, that's what yoga does for me. It's, it could be the same, well, it's never the same sequence anymore, but um, you know, it's, it doesn't matter what postures you're doing. It's always changing. Even if it's the same postures, even if it was a, you know, hot 26 class or, you know, an Ashtanga class, which I know you love the Ashtanga, like every time you take an Ashtanga class, it's the same postures, but it's different every single day. Right. Yes. Totally true. Totally true. Um, well, and we're, it, I feel like we're seeing yoga evolve right before our eyes and you more so than me because I think I had my first class in the early 2000s and um, you were already getting into it and teaching. And so you trained in New York and then you ventured, you ended up back in LA. How'd that happen? Yeah. I mean, it was weird. I I had my little bit at Sonic and then fell in love with uh, Dharma Mitra. And, you know, even though he's this He's much older. It was amazing to see what he could do with his body. And he really became sort of my um, role model. I mean, I had done a lot of Bikram when Bikram was a big thing. I was really dedicated to that practice. I was dedicated to um, Ashtanga-led classes. Now and then I would take a Mysore class. I really liked the regiment of that. And then actually I can't even really remember when I was just like, and no more. Like all of a sudden I was like, and I need to break out of this, um, maybe working at liberation. So I think, you know, the accident was pretty, pretty bad, but I think I just did some healing work with yoga, spent some time with my family. I love New York, but the energy is just kind of like, it's like too much like me. (laughs) So I needed a little bit of the chill out of LA. I think LA is always going to call me back. It will always be you know, my home. So it was just an easy thing for me to be like, I'm going to go back there. And it was like no time. I got a job right away teaching yoga. I got privates right away. And that was my full-time job. Okay. Yeah. I was still auditioning, um, still auditioning, still, you know, still working as an actor, but my main, that was, that's how I made my living as a single girl which sounds impossible today, but, but I'm still doing it. So, and I'm still single, so, except for my dog. Now I've got a dependent. Um, uh, I'm still doing it. I'm still doing it, which is a freaking amazing to me. You know, and I'm not a celebrity yoga, yogi. I don't really know how that happened, but um, you know, I'm not a celebrity. I'm just kind of my, my own little, you know, the little yogi that could, 
doing my own thing, but just meeting the best people, like getting hooked up with you, getting hooked up with LA Yoga Magazine, like just the greatest people that love yoga and love sharing it, that I'm, I'm the one who's lucky that I get to kind of be in your, your light, you know, sharing your light. It's just kind of awesome. Those kinds of people that have been, you know, on my, on my path. Well, I think that's that, that power of attraction, right? Like we're, we, we gravitate towards people that are singing our song, you know, that, yeah. that have that same passion and that fire. And when you, um, skipping back a little bit, when you got your groove going on in LA, you just became a staff writer for LA Yoga Magazine. Well, that was, that was a different sort of chapter. That was like, like a little, I had a tiny pause um, in about, it was about 2000, between 2007 and 2009, um, I had relapsed back into an eating disorder. So I had been battling um, with anorexia and, and really, you know, they call it orthorexia, but it's, it's like exercise um, bulimia. Uh, for for most of my life since I was about 14 years old. And so it it's always triggered by something uh, traumatic. And so this was right around the time that I had lost uh, a boyfriend that I had had for, for a long time. And then my dad had passed away. Um, and that's for some strange reason. After my dad had passed away, um, I had lost, I had lost money. I lost jobs. It was a really hard time. And I was just like, asking the universe, what do I do? What do I do? And um, that's when Lady Yoga, the comic strip idea came to me. I never in a million years thought I would be doing a comic strip, but all of a sudden the idea of Lady Yoga came to me and I found an artist in Venice and he uh, wrote my, I mean, he drew my idea. He was like inside my brain. And then I was taking a class with Felicia and just told her about it. And I probably am doing this incorrectly, but I think she said like, we just lost, I want to, I want this to be truth because I love Beth Lapidus so much. She's a great comedian and did this thing called Un Cabaret in LA when I was working at Un Cabaret, I was working at Luna Park. And so she did this column in LA yoga called my other car is a yoga mat so funny and so clever and I think it was like Felicia had said something like oh well Beth is going on and doing her own thing like we'll put Lady Yoga in the magazine and so I started that was my column I had a monthly column for six years the Lady Yoga superhero and then when they started shifting their um the demographic and what how they wanted to go with the magazine they they didn't want anything kind of light and fluffy so I ended up just writing articles for them so you know, because the magazine sort of shifted the energy of what they were trying to sort of put out there in the world. Not like they didn't like Lady Yoga, but it was it was time for her to move on to bigger and better things. Um, so yeah, now I get to write about other amazing teachers and on and support them on their path. So that's pretty pretty awesome. Very cool. And sounds like you're a gifted creator and writer, and you know, sparking that creative juices. I mean, six years is a long time to keep going. Yeah. Right. So it's a lot of, a lot of ideas and a lot of, but it's, it's a combination of sort of all of my loves. I love art. I love comedy. I love writing. 
and I love yoga. So Lady Yoga is sort of, I've always called her my magnum, my magnum Oprah. Because <laughs> <laughs> like, it's just all the things that I love. And it makes yoga accessible where I didn't think yoga was so accessible. And I do find that I run across people that don't, that are still intimidated, you know, especially working in the South now. I, I feel like there's a lot of people that might associate yoga with, with the religion and a specific um, ideology. And it, it's really is so adaptable. It's so adaptable for, it's adaptable for the 12 steps. It's adaptable. I, I know you've got experience with that. I have experienced that with, with um, the eating disorder and kind of going down a downward spiral and then reaching through um, that, that rock bottom and, and, and finding yoga. I mean, yoga, I don't think is a cure-all for everything, but it really is, is there for you when you are down and out and um, it, it can be there for you if you're, if you don't have a major range of motion, you know, you don't really have to touch your toes to do yoga. It's an, it's a completely accessible way of being and living. And I think that that's what I'm, what I'm trying to do with Lady Yoga, what I'm trying to do traveling and, and teaching and bringing that lightheartedness to it, that anyone can do it. Yeah. Well, I like what you just said that it's an accessible way of being and, and so much in, in American culture, we're always about doing and doing yoga. And, and you mentioned yoga to somebody and they all, they just visualize a yoga pose. But when you talk about how you're being, as you walk through life practicing yoga, I mean, it takes on a whole, whole different context. And I, I think that, I think that comic strip kind of speaks to that and it dabbles into some of the more philosophical aspects of yoga and, and yoga and 12 step. I mean, the parallel principles are, are really striking. And I think, and I, and I agree, I don't think it's a cure-all, but I do think that yoga is a, a complement to almost any spiritual path. Absolutely. Um, almost any path of self-discovery. And, and when I say yoga, I'm not just speaking in general terms about asana or physical postures, but, but like the whole big picture of, of yoga that ask us to inquire within, like, why am I doing this? And looking at patterns and choices and how we show up, I guess this has been my, my big takeaway from my little yoga journey as it's unfolding. And I'm... Well, even the community that you're creating, I mean, we talk about as, as yoga teachers, you know, authenticity and connection, accountability, community, and mindfulness. And, and as, a, as a yoga practitioner and as a teacher, those are the only, those, that's the, the crux of it. That's the yoga. You know, you can read all of uh, the sacred texts and you can live the yamas and the niyamas, um, but you don't have to be, you know, uh, arrested by all the deities. Like sometimes when I teach deities in class, um, and I hope this isn't offensive to anyone, but so I, I try to, you know, cause I'm still delicately navigating this, this new demographic, but I try to make it to the very religious people here in the South, you know, um, imagine that they are like, um, you know, alternate, you know, they're like, uh, alter egos or that they're your, like a, a superhero, 
You know, you might not believe in Ganesh, the elephant god, or Hanuman, the, the monkey god, but he encapsulizes some kind of strength that you might want to cultivate in your practice. So how might we be able to do that? Um, or Kali, or a- anyone of or Durga, you know, the good, the bad, the light, the dark, it is kind of like a Marvel comic. And so, um, and when we talk about authenticity, it's like, I can't, you know, a couple of the girls at the studio, the owner and the manager, I love them. And they talk about, uh, you know, if I want a real kick butt class, I'm going to take this girl's class. If I want to laugh a lot, I'm going to take Lori's class. And I, that was the biggest compliment because I was like, you know, oh, but, I'm, but I really love anatomy and I love philosophy and subtle body, but you're going to come to my class and laugh. I'll take that, you know, I'll take that because that's who I am. And, you know, if you can show that part of you as a yogi, which I also am a yogi and a, a practitioner and a teacher, um, you know, that's the most amazing, powerful thing ever because that will bleed into the rest of your life with your family, with your friends. You can't fight that authenticity. If you're real and it feels good, it's going to feel good off of the mat too. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's that power of yoga that it's just so much more than the mat, you know, and that community of coming together in a room and practicing, even if you fall on your face, which I still do quite frequently, um, you know, it's not always about standing on your hands in a bikini on Instagram, (laughs) you know, like that kind of thing. Although to be fair, those, I mean, you know, those people are, some of those people are great too. I'm thinking of one in particular that we we know and love. She's freaking amazing. Yeah. Um, Yeah. But, you know, it's not always about looking good or, or, or achieving the posture. It's amazing if you can, but it's, it's okay if you can't <laughs> you right. just do it in your own cartoon or in your own mind. Well, I think everybody, for lack of a better term, has their hook where, like, your humor might spark a good, you know, uh, resonate with people and, and they're drawn to that. And I think a lot of the... I mean, people try to find their thing that will resonate with people to get them to come back. And I think our job is to be able to share the deeper dimensions of yoga through through the process of a class or doing workshops or doing trainings. But in order to have people come to those things, they've, they've got to enjoy your class, right? And then they've got to, um, have something that motivates them to come back and grab a friend and like, Oh, Hey, let's go to Lori's class. She's, she's this awesome teacher and she's really funny. And, you know, she got, got me deeper in this pose and she really knows anatomy. I mean, all these things that, that people are drawn to. Uh, and there's, I mean, I still believe there's a place for the yoga pose on Instagram Oh, 100%. If, if somebody looks at that and says, I want to do that someday, is it, you know, and, and in their mind, they go, oh, that's, that's just amazing. How could somebody do that? And it starts them down this path. And by the time they're physically ready to do some inversion or something, then getting that pose is not, it's a, it, it becomes a lower priority hopefully, and I've seen this a lot, and I'm sure you have too, 
the process of showing up on your mat time and time again, developing a practice, getting in touch with your, your breath and how your body's feeling that feeling from the inside out, then over time, you know, nailing that one pose is not as big of a deal or you nail that pose and go, well, this is not that big a deal. <laughs> yeah. And awesome. There's another pose, you know, like there's another pose. There's always going to be something, but that's life too. And I think, um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, yeah. I mean, the, the pictures on Instagram, the, the goal setting, trying to, you know, a 30 day challenge, like all of those things have their place. And some people practice their whole practice is, just the asana. And there is nothing wrong with that. As long as they're getting in the room, they're still feeling the good juju. They're still feeling that community, whether they express it or not, or are even aware of it, that that's, that's just a sharing of, of your energy with others in that room or doing it on your, on your own, having your own sadhana at home is so special. And so, um, powerful you know but it's it's the coming together too in the studio that's like you know it's so special and unique you know when do you go to a class where all 15 25 85 people have planned to be there at the same time you never do so that collection of energy in the room is like creating history you know so you don't know if that person next to you like oh geez i don't i don't feel a good vibe from her or like all of a sudden it's like wow i never could do this pose but that lady next to me was doing it and all of a sudden i could do it like that happens oh yeah i've been there and i'm like wait a minute there's just that that vibe or the music is great and the energy is good it's 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 a really collective power that's just it's a yeah man it never gets old Right. Well, there's the, the power of that group energy, energy. And in a yoga class, you know, everybody's breathing. They're, they're moving to the same beat of the same music. They're synchronizing their breath. And, and you're right. It, it allows us to go deeper into our, our physical practice. And, and it makes me think about, too, like running a, running a marathon where, you know, you can be coming the last quarter mile or half mile and you're, you're exhausted, your muscles are tired, your body feels weak, but there's this surge you get from the other runners that are, you know, they've sure. been, been there with you and, and the crowd. I love the oh my gosh. Line, like cheering you on. And, and so we're, they're not, they're not like feeding me power gels. They're just sending their enthusiasm or energy out. It's so cool. Yeah. They'll be shouting your name and you're like, I don't know you, but your name is on your bib. And it's like, yeah, and I can do it. get energized by it. And then you finish strong and it's like, oh, I love that feeling, you know? Yeah. And, and that's, I mean, we're human beings. We're, we're creatures of, of connection. And I think all of us, I can't speak for everybody, but I, I know it's part of me and a lot of people that, draw you know draw this um i don't want to say like energy but uh, a sense of connection yeah from the community whether it's yoga whether it's 12 step whether it's e even you know some other spiritual path or even th the path in uh in school where you're you know doing classes together there's the connection of being on a common path i, I guess and something I learned in 
12-step recovery a long time ago was this idea that the, the joy is in the journey. Mm-hmm. So life's not about the destination. Um, you know, if a teacher talks about like, like the destination is the, is the grave, <laughs> right? Oh, On the journey of life. That's so gross. That's, yeah. Where does it end? Oh, Bring well. it down. Let's well, enjoy yeah. the moment. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's funny too, because, and not to, to shift this too far down, but, um, you know, even when we think about mental illness and, you know, I know when I'm feeling, you know, cause my eating disorder is related to, you know, it's a mental disorder for me, but even addiction can be associated with a mental disorder. Um, you know, that sometimes I'm feeling very down or sometimes I'm feeling very lonely and I might want to just go, I mean, I might want to just like isolate, which is what, what I used to do is isolate. And I could go into a yoga room and not be with friends per se. I'm doing quote marks right now. Nobody's around. Um, but, but just having that energy, I don't feel so lonely. Like, you know, it's okay to be alone and stuff like that, but having that lonely feeling and really isolating from the world, like just going to a place where you have that common, you know, you're quote unquote working out, but you're also like, feeling and breathing and it's energetic. It's all kind of yummy together. It's not like going to the gym and, you know, doing the elliptical or, or even doing a CrossFit class. Those can be rather communal too, but having that end feel of the Shavasana and we're all resting together and we're meditating together and even chanting together is freaking, it's just, it does bring you a little bit out just from my experience and my you know, mental issues. I feel like it's it's a lot more um, accessible to me. You know, if I can't make it to a meeting or if I am feeling like I'm triggered, you know, it's a great place to come and and check yourself before you go into the negative, the negative uh, behavior. Yeah. Well, I think, and I'm glad you, you talked about like the mental disorders and mental illness and, and how that's something that, there's a lot of efforts to reduce stigma around that. And when you talk about eating disorders and addiction, having that um, open conversation of like, oh yeah, there's like, I get depressed too. Or, oh yeah, I, I can experience anxiety. And there's these um, patterns, if you think about patterns of thought. And when we talk about, I mean, I get, I get that in mental illnesses, there can be chemical imbalances, mm-hmm. but there can also be just a heavy uh, imbalance of thought patterns, right? Where yeah. the, and yeah. So I, I'm glad you brought that up because it's, I think it's important to, to recognize that. Or just not having the tools. I mean, for me, I, I relapse my final relapse and I say final because it's been, this has been the longest that I've lasted without a relapse. I didn't have the tools. Like, so every time, even when I was teaching yoga, I would fall into this behavior because I was triggered by something traumatic. You know, 9-11, that happened. I didn't lose anyone, but it was, you know, I'm working in Midtown Manhattan. I'm watching the buildings. You know, we were all, that was all traumatic for, for all of us. But for some reason, living down there and, you know, and I didn't know where my dad was and all that stuff. It was just that went me off on a path. All of a sudden it was like, all the way down. And then my, my dad gets sick, Ugh, you know, and then passed away. Um, 
incredibly triggering that I didn't even know it was happening. I didn't have the tools. And even though I've been practicing and teaching yoga, I didn't have that deeper awareness that something is wrong. Yeah. <laughs> wrong. Yeah. So, you know, having that, like you said, chemical imbalances, stuff like that, it takes more than just a yoga class. It takes more than just maybe a teacher, but having, you know, having a pastor, having a therapist, having, you know, people, having a team of people that are around you for support, you know, especially if you're, you're unsure, if you're a young person or, you know, you're, you're starting to show signs of depression and you never did before, or it's genetic and you never had that before. And now all of a sudden you're feeling these things. Um, you know, yoga does have a very magical way of just being like, wait a minute, I'm feeling this. Don't be afraid of the feelings. You can walk into the feelings and know that it's just as impermanent. Feeling wonderful is just as impermanent as feeling horrible or in pain or sad, you know, or depressed. Everything, all of those feelings and emotions are, are fleeting. Right. Yeah. Well, and yoga, being on the mat, tends to bring that stuff up, right? <laughs> so that's like what a um, what an amazing sort of proving ground for life to be. Okay, I recognize this pattern in myself, or oh wow, where's all this sadness coming from? And I mean, it, for me, it, it has drawn me into a deeper understanding of my emotional nature. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I, I mean, I grew up in the 70s and in the 80s, I was in college and there was a, so I was that generation of, of boys don't cry, you know, man, you know, it's like, don't show emotion. So there was, there was like a lot of stuffing of feelings happening. And you know, thank God that's shifted and, and, you know, and our, as we raised our kids, like they get, you know, in elementary school and at home, this education and talking about your feelings and, and, um, and having that language of feeling, which I didn't get really to learn that until I was in my mid twenties and 12 step recovery. Wow. <laughs> I was like, Oh, okay. And, um, so a lot of that stuff poured out and I, mean, I didn't find yoga until years later. And I'm like, wow, this is because, you know, 1983 and Ohio, there wasn't yoga. I yeah. Mean, it was like still underground, if you will. Or it was very, it was a long time away from studios for sure. But, yeah. uh, but anyway, um, so the history well, well, two things coming to mind. One, I wanted to ask you about um, getting the um, fighting eating disorders thing going. But I, I wanted to go back to, you mentioned Dharma Mitra. I know, I think you did your like 500 hour with him or you studied with yeah, him? Yeah, I, I, mean, I went straight to him also per Lauren Hannah, and then ended up doing it with a guy called uh, Will Dupree. And I adore him, don't know where he is these days, but I think he actually relocated to Florida and he has a very, um, very specific kind of teacher training that he runs now. I think it's under Hatha Vidya, but he was a great teacher also from Dharma Mitra, you know, and I, I would go back to New York and continue to practice with Dharma and I wouldn't just 
go and work with him for the asana. Cause at some point I was like, you know, I don't think I'm going to be able to do all these things and I need to kind of not give myself a hard time anymore. Mm -hmm. So I would sit with him and just do, we would just talk. Like I he was like my therapist. Um, not really. I would just talk to him and, and have private sessions with him where I would just learn a little bit more about the sacred text, the history, the philosophy. And that's really where I sort of deepens my practice was with him and with Will. Um, yeah. And then, you know, as far as the practice goes, I think when I, when I came, when I came back to LA and I was officially a yoga teacher, um, I went full force into practicing absolutely everything I could on Yusara, Ashtanga, Bikram, all of the things and got myself into such a <laughs> registic state that um, like aggressive state that I was like breaking out and, you know, pitta deranged. And that's when I got into Ayurveda because I was like, what's happening? I'm doing all this yoga. <laughs> uh, and I was just becoming a lunatic. Uh, I mean, I really enjoyed like, you know, meeting all these people and, and trying to hold handstand for five minutes. And then I was just like, I'm bored with this. Um, but when I go back to LA, I practice with uh, um, Kate Dunkariati. She's like my little beacon in the night. She's from Laughing Lotus in New York, which was actually my second choice. It was not even my second choice. I was going to do teacher training with Laughing Lotus because I loved their flow and all their energy it was like pink and funny and ah. um, But ended up doing Sonic really because of Lauren and because I could walk there. <laughs> well, there you, okay yeah well yeah. i also did the i did the photography for their manual so i ended up getting a scholarship i mean how many times does that happen in a lifetime uh, that's i did basically work studied my way through teacher training ah uh, oh, that's very cool and, well and you were talking about ramping up your practice in la how did and this is like Total beyond my experience, so I'm asking more as a just for better understanding. When you're eating like the exercise-induced eating disorders, and I, you know, I, I, I read a like just a heartbreaking article that uh, Chelsea Roth wrote about. Oh, yeah. um, you know, a, a lady dying of anorexia, and that was um, had a long history of that, and was using exercise as a as a some type of coping tool, but I mean, what can you say about how, I don't know, warning signs to notice in your students when you're a teacher or oh, gosh. I mean, you know, say if somebody comes like, Hey, I'm struggling with, with uh, bulimia, exercise bulimia or anorexia. And then all of a sudden they're, you know, coming to three classes a day and they're, you know, shrinking in front of your eyes or, you know, how, how, I hate to say that. I, I saw it a lot when I was in LA. I have not seen that problem since I started traveling. Yeah. Um, I did have an issue last year with a student who was just out of recovery from drugs and had found out after she left that she was using during the program. And I had no idea because I didn't know how to spot the signs. I just thought, you know, she's getting used to Cambodia. It's very dry and hot here. She's probably tired because the schedule is intense, but had, had no idea that she was using. So I remember coming home and 
you know, YouTubing, like, how do you know someone's on, you know, crystal meth? Like I had just never been around that. Um, but as far as eating disorders go, it, it that's a tough one because, um, you know, you can be an incredibly skinny person and that's not anorexia. I have plenty of very slender friends, uh, that have no problem with eating, but people are like, oh, are they anorexic? And, you know, if you, you could Google me or you, you've, you've met me, <laughs> I'm not, I don't look anorexic. And even when I was really in my behavior, I never looked, I mean, I was very thin, but I didn't look like, look, and I'm doing quote marks again. Um, I didn't look like an anorexic. So the idea of what someone looks like in an eating disorder is the that's a really that's a tough one. Uh, I, I remember seeing people take several classes, you know, and when I did teach that the twenty six postures in the hot room, we don't want to say the name of it anymore. Um, when I was teaching that, it was hard because I did see a lot of women, you know, in front of the mirror. It was hard because you would see that and you would think, but it wasn't really your place to say anything. Mm -hmm. You know, um, and, you know, sometimes they would come to your class and sometimes they would come to someone else's class and, you know, it wasn't really your, your place to, to judge necessarily, but it's definitely, I mean, it's definitely a thing. It's definitely a thing in certain styles of yoga. And, um, you know, I think as far as warning signs, you know, for friends and family, it's just, uh, you know, isolating and yeah, rapid weight loss or hiding. Um, you know, but there's so many different hybrids of eating disorder. I didn't even know like the, the exercise was such a thing. It was always my outlet. Um, but if it, like, if you think about someone who enjoys a glass of wine now and then, and then abuses and uses alcohol, that's what I did. Like I abused and used something that I loved. Mm. Um, so in my recovery, they told me you cannot run. Like this is not you. This is not you cannot do this because um, you're abusing it. And I didn't even know whether I would ever be able to run again if if I didn't run 20 miles to burn off a. You know, I hope this isn't triggering for anyone who would listen. Um, but you know, it's it's. I lost my train of thought. Um, I'm such a vata, but it's it was it was hard to be in it and, and not know what was happening, but I can't, and I can't believe that I was letting it happen. Like I just didn't know I was wasting away. I was running for 40 miles a day to burn off something. It wasn't until like little hints were being dropped. Other people were starting to say stuff. And I was like, Oh shit, excuse my language. Here we are again. You know? And I was like, Oh, I can't do this again. Mm -hmm. I can't, I need to have, I need to get help. Like it's time, you know, you're 35 get over this. And I do, and I will swear again, so get ready. Um, but I do have this little thing inside me, this little girl inside me. And it's my mantra, just like, don't be an asshole. Mm -hmm. yeah. Because I think every time that I go into that negative behavior, I'm dimming my own light. I'm taking myself away from the gifts that I could, that I'm here, that I think I've been placed here for to share you know, on a small level and a little, whatever I'm here for, um, you know, why would I destroy this body, this mind, this spirit that I've been given the gift to use and to share 
with other people. So the don't be an asshole sounds a little on the violent side, but no, I literally hear a little voice. It's just like every time I might get triggered or every time I feel like isolating or, or whatnot, um, you know, I just get back into the feels, get back into the feels, feel the feels. And then those feels don't feel so bad anymore. They get replaced with good. And then you, you even yourself out a little bit more. Yeah. I don't know if that's helpful in your answering question. Well, no, that, I mean, it makes total sense. And I, I appreciate you sharing, you know, that part of yourself and the, um, cause I, I think it's important for us to, you know, we're all, we're all unique and we're all the same, right? Yeah. We're, we're having this human experience, but we all have our, you know, our own individual path with our individual struggles. So I, you know, I'm, I'm interested in, in people's path and, and, you know, you, you shine such a bright light. You have a lot of enthusiasm and you're fun to be around and you get, you know, the class engaged and you're a wonderful teacher. And, and, and I know you've had, oh, thanks, Dave. Aw. I'll send a check later. <laughs> well, and, and it's important, you know, to me to recognize like, yeah, you've, you've had your struggles. I've had, we've all had them. Um, so very good, very good. And well, well shared. I thank you. Um, I was thinking this might be a good little segue into, and you, cause you mentioned Cambodia, but I'm thinking little corn Island, Nicaragua. What was it? How did you end up there? And I mean, I know that was a thing a, wh- a little while back. That was a magical, magical thing. Um, yeah, I, yeah, I mean, I was, a, you know, pretty successful yoga teacher in Los Angeles and then met um, my, my ex fiance on match.com. We fell in love. We got engaged. He lost his job. I moved. I said, if I'm going to move with you, um, I need to make sure that I like I'm, I'm establishing myself in other cities and other countries. And I had, had taught in Shanghai for a spell and, um, I'm very resourceful. And so I found this opportunity in Nicaragua and I was just like, all right, well, you know, if, if I move to Atlanta with you, um, you know, and Atlanta to me was just like, oh, no way. It's not New York. It's not LA, whatever. Um, but you know, now my mind is so blown open. Um, so yeah, I started working there and then started working in Dallas and worked in, um, I worked at Esalen Institute with uh, my editor and a, a couple of other teachers as I was an assistant and then met one of your students and then started working in Indianapolis and then started working, you know, in other, other little cities. And, um, and uh, the, then I was able to go back to Nicaragua um, and listen, I knew the first year that, I wanted to go back. Um, and I knew that the girl that was, had owned the, the business, I just didn't, I had a feeling she wasn't going to come back. Uh-huh. Uh, so when I went back there, they had offered it to me. So the, the, the property was actually on a hotel's property. And they said, this, this gal has left, you know, do you want to take it over? Which I did. And I was thrilled because I knew I could have this little piece of paradise 
um, and, and go back to it whenever I could and then hire amazing teachers that I've been training with, you know, with, you know, co co leading or co teaching with you or other cities. And I did, I would hire different students that we had to go to Nicaragua. Uh, but that was the, the big problem is to run the business from stateside. That's where I ran into problems because when I was there, it was great. And then when I was away, you know, problems, problems happened. So I ran that for about three years and it was like, this is stressing me out. So I just took the business and let the property go to the hotel. I let it just kind of wash off into the sea and then went back again to do a teacher training. I actually did it at another hotel. And I was like, I think I'm done. Like, I think it, I mean, it's always going to be tattooed on my foot um, and always a special place in my heart. But I'd been, I went there for five years. I had already been separated from my fiance because he didn't like that I was traveling, even though I started because of him. Um, and yeah, I was just like, there's a big world out there and I love traveling. Like, let's do this. And then I got the job in Cambodia. I mean, it was, just, it literally was like, honestly, I don't even know how this works, but it's just working. So I'm not gonna, and even my little Olympian that I traveled with, it was like a gift. All of these things are just like, what, what I'm living a crazy dream where I get to travel around the world do this job it's crazy and and you're doing is it teacher training in cambodia teacher training in cambodia uh, um and you, and, and you were the personal yoga teacher for an olympic athlete how amazing is yoga that? and massage i mean he would call me his physio i got away with it but i'm like i'm not i'm just your massage i do yoga and massage with him and you know got him through one Olympics and then almost another. But um, yeah, I mean, it was great. He had a great sponsorship, which afforded him being able to hire anybody he wanted to travel with him while he was training. So that was a very unique experience. And I learned a lot on the job working in, in these Olympic facilities way over my head, but willing to learn everything I possibly could. I feel like my life is like backwards. Like I'm getting all these opportunities and then I'm like learning how to do what I'm supposed to be doing. Um, but I'm still like, I feel like a kid. I'm just like, yes, bring it on. Like more, more learning, um, more humbling. You know, I'm never, I never feel like I'm better than anyone or I'm like the best at this. I'm like, you know, I'm always just like more learning, get better, work with more people. Um, a little more understanding as to like the kinds of people I want to work with. And then also giving that space for, you know, there's plenty of yoga studio jobs and I'm like, I don't want to take them. I'm teaching you to be a teacher, you know, let me stick to the trainings and you guys can get the job. So that feels a little weird, but I'm leaving it up to the universe to, to let me play that out a little mm -hmm. bit, you know? Well, and I think it's like a testament to, and hopefully inspiring to our listeners to be like, yeah, you know, like trust the process, show up, share your gifts, and then amazing things can happen. And then you find yourself, you know, doing living this amazing life, living your best life. Yeah. And it sounds like, like you tapped into that formula early on and it's, and you're riding the wave of it and 
it sounds like you've only just begun, right? Oh, totally. I mean, I'm literally doing like all the things that you liked when you were little. I'm doing all the things I liked when I was little. Mm -hmm. You know, art, drawing, you know, writing, dancing around like a lunatic, you know, being funny, putting on shows. You know, it's just if you can feel that same joy doing that, the things you did when you were little, or, you know, having that joyful feeling, your life will be filled with the things that, I mean, not all great all the time. I mean, come on now. But like, you know, it's, it's, you can pretty much live, you know, I'd like to have a partner, you know, it kind of sucks, but it's just like, but I also get to travel around the world. So, you know, you can't, I don't know about the can have it all kind of thing, but I'm certainly like, what is it? I have contentment. I have Santosha, you know, where it's like, this is the life that I'm supposed to have, you know, and we're all kind of given the lives that we're supposed to have. And that includes sometimes crappy to say, but the trials, because I'm sometimes like, why did this happen to me? You know, why did this? And you're just like, well, you don't know why now. And you might not know later, but when you're through it, you'll understand that that just gave you more strength that gave you more experience to share you know every injury that i get i'm just like well it just makes me a better teacher i know how to deal with herniated discs now you know so yeah it's pretty cool yeah well that's that's part of the journey and and i think like you use the word contentment and that speaks to sort of going with the flow for like it's an overused term, but it makes a lot of sense when we can be at peace with ourselves, then we find that any place is home and opportunities. We learn to say yes with enthusiasm without a lot of judgment, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so no, I, I can appreciate that. And we had this um, lady on the show a yoga teacher, uh, Cassie Stockcamp, not too long ago. And she had just come back from 12 months of volunteering around the world through a, there's like a website you can sign up and like, hey, I'll, I'll come work at your resort or some type of facility for a month. And basically you go there and you work for four or five hours a day and then they give you room and board. Okay. So she was like teaching yoga in Australia and working on a flower farm in New Zealand. And so she did this around the world for a year, staying a month or two at different places having, but it was that um, one thing she shared about is just how she was taken care of. Like she would be somewhere and meet, meet somebody that had an opportunity somewhere else. And, so she got to do these amazing little retreats or meditation intensives or kind of yoga related things all around the world. And it was, none of it was planned. <laughs> you know? Oh, that's the way to do it, man. She's, she's got a, her finger on how to live life. I mean, that, that's not living in the moment. <laughs> yeah. Well, it kind of reminded me of you cause you're, you know, like, okay, I'm going to go move to Atlanta for, five months and do a 200 hour or now five months turns into (laughs) so crazy yeah Yeah. and uh so that's why i think like you you have this rich journey um that started with yoga it sounds like 
and and you're just embracing it and seeing where it goes and so this this is like a really colorful chapter in your life and i you know i believe you know we all go through different phases of you know different chapters of life and and being willing to embrace the moment is a key part of staying in that flow yeah and paying attention because if we don't pay attention opportunities slip by and we don't even notice them right it's a very good point yeah so 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 now that's well that's exciting and and so you are in atlanta and how much longer are you there or do you have a, is there a plan <laughs> Um, I have a wonderful tenant in my apartment in Santa Monica till the end of August. And we'll just stick a pin in that. Um, You know, I'm getting my license in Georgia for massage. So that sounds like I'm committing. Um, But we'll see. You know, the acting business is quite cool here. You know, I haven't been willing to let that go yet. I still like to perform. Um, So we'll kind of see how that plays out. I think LA is always calling me back, but you know, someone had even said, oh, you buy coastal. And I was like, maybe I should try that on for a minute. Ah. We'll we'll kind of see. I have a lot of workshops here. I have Cambodia. I have 300 hour in the Spanish Pyrenees, if anyone's interested in September. I mean, the place is ridiculous. The Spanish Pyrenees? I mean, come on, Dave. It's gorgeous. Oh yeah. my God! So, French Pyrenees over the summer and oh, like nearly died of the beauty, and so this is the Spanish Pyrenees. So it's like hop, skip, and like the same place because you're right on the the border. I, I've been there. So so here's something fun. Yeah, I think we talked about this. You had been there. Yeah. Um, so my daughter Audrey, she spent her junior year in high school in Spain. Ooh. And so we ventured up to San Sebastian and kind of went through that, that northern part of Spain. Not, not like too deep into the Pyrenees, but um, so it's, here's a fun story. She's a sophomore now in college at, um, in Scotland. And I can't even believe that. I can't believe you're saying that to me now. I've known you a long time. <laughs> no, I know. Well, and here's the fun thing. Like, so she's in this... Um, you know, you know, schools have their different traditions and this and that. And so they're doing, it's, it's called a, it's a fundraiser that they raise money and then they, they have this race and uh, the organizers, it's like a, you know, it's a big network thing, but they pick a city and they have these teams, pairs of college students, and they have to hitchhike from one city to another city in Europe. Oh my God, that sounds like a bad idea. <laughs> well, it, well, hitchhiking in Europe's would not way different than in America. But, but so they were doing this race to Valencia. They started in Edinburgh, and there's and they're on GPS, so you can track them. And they they check in with the safety crew. I mean, you know, it's very, you know, there's these support um, race organizers that know where all the kids are at all times, and um, <laughs> so. So she calls me from San Sebastian, like right before we got on this podcast, um, which is like right on that sort of northern coast of Spain, just this, just the Spanish side of the Pyrenees. Mm. And they had just 
made it through France and, and, um, and like, she's like having this adventure and she's like, yeah, I would never do this again, but <laughs> it's for yeah. a good cause. They're raising money for some local charities. She's with a guy that's done it twice before. So, you know, she's in good hands and they made it, you know, into Spain and they're, they'll overnight it down to, um, Valencia where they finish and, and, um, then all the kids in the, all, all the teams stay at the same like youth hostel and, you know, I'm sure they'll have a little celebration, but, um, uh, but anyway, maybe, you know, it's such a beautiful country. It's gorgeous. That actually sounds rad. You know, I never, I am grateful that you're put, that you're doing this podcast because, um, I would probably be dead if I didn't listen to podcasts. I, my commute to school currently is an hour and a half one way, an hour and a half back. And I have been listening way too much to, to true crime. <laughs> so when, you know, you say hitchhiking, I immediately go to murder and I'm like, oh, they're going to be on my favorite murder. <laughs> uh, it saves me. It saves me from murdering others and murdering myself. So, um, but podcasts are, wow, what a wonderful thing. What a wonderful thing in traffic. Oh, tell me about it. I mean, I have, I have some long commutes, uh, things I'm doing over in Illinois and things over in Ohio. And uh, one of our kids goes to a boarding school in Northern Indiana. So the, all these, they're like two, two and a half hour one way drives and yeah, podcasts just keep me going. Um, yeah. So I, it's kind of how I ended up starting this as a way to uh, channel some creativity and talk to some super cool people like yourself. And I think it's inspiring because I love listening to other yoga teachers and, and people in the yoga community. And, you know, I want to open up what they're doing to the rest of the community. I'm like, oh, my God. So, Lori, Lady Yoga, she's, you know, New York, L.A. now, you know, was Nicaragua, was <laughs> out there in, in the south. And now it's Cambodia and the, the Spanish Pyrenees. I know what a great thing for Avatsa to do is just keep flitting around. <laughs> well, yeah, this is your chapter. Of, this is the chapter of your life right now, right? Exactly. And it sounds like you're like embracing it wholeheartedly. And, and, uh, you know, it's like a, like a brave thing. Like it's a brave, you know, when I say wholeheartedly. I think that takes a lot of courage and vulnerability and all these things that we strive to, put ourselves out there so we can grow as individuals and you know enhance the communities that we're in and be in your authentic self and I've always experienced you as that very authentic very um, transparent and like you show up I feel like with 100% of yourself no matter what's going on you know yeah. so thank you for that well, those are all of the ingredients to make a great yogi and just a touch of bad shit crazy. <laughs> you need to have a little bit of that. Come on. <laughs> well, you know, like a little, it's, you know, we talk about hot mess, right? Which is, mm -hmm. which is the um, 2020 term for bad shit crazy. Yeah. <laughs> Right. So people don't believe me when I say, so I'm going to say this and I think, well, I've, I've shared this with you before, but 
when I actually share, hey, this is my next um, workshop, guys, I literally am met with the most deadpan faces. But we're doing Yoga the Musical again, back by popular demand. I did this in L.A., and we're doing it on Valentine's Day, makeup and breakup songs, because the power of the voice, sometimes we feel like we don't have a voice, right? And we know how powerful it is to chant. But sometimes chanting is like, ugh, I don't know what you're saying. I don't know what Om Gum Ganapatiye means. Um, if you just sing a pop song and you sing it with all your heart, <laughs> mm-hmm. and you will raise your vibration inside and out. So we're doing pop songs for the 4th of July, Yoga the Musical. 4th of July. 14th of and then too, no, um, for Valentine's Day. And that's, that. talk about making it accessible and fun. Oh, that's, so that's, that's kind of like what I'm talking about. It's just a little weird. It's just a little wacky. But wouldn't you just be interested to try on, you know, how, how it feels to sing, even if you sing crappy yeah. and how it raises your, I mean, you have to have fun doing that kind of thing. And you have to kind of abandon any of that feeling of doubt. And it's very freeing. Mm-hmm. Oh, I bet. Yeah. Well, I, I just listening to you say that reminds me like, Hey, I, I'm a t- horrible singer, but I can get into uh, ohm chanting and feel my vibration really. Oh yeah. Lifting and lifting. So I, you know, I kind of get that. Um, well, how cool is that? So you're, so. It's a so, pop kirtan. Oh yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I love, I love the kirtans. The kirtans I've been in, in LA and New York are like otherworldly, but you know, I don't necessarily know how many kirtans there are around this particular area of the country. Yeah. We've, we've tried to get some kirtan going here and we've had mixed results and um, we've got, Suzanne Sterling coming, going to do some workshops and she's, Oh, nice. You know, as you know her, she's a musician and a singer and she's, so hoping to bring that spirit of music with, along with some of her presence in the, you know, in the community and, and other things like that. But the, um, so you've got some workshops in Atlanta. Yep. And circle a little bit back to the Spanish Pyrenees. Now, what's going on there? And when is that? You said September? September, we'll have the 300-hour there. So one of the gals that was in my 200-hour in Cambodia, she's got a home there, and it's massive. And so she wants to host the 300-hour training there. Oh, sweet. I know. So look out for that. I don't know. I mean, I'll post it first on social media, and then maybe I'll reach out to... um, what is it called other like those sites where you can promote your retreats and things. Uh-huh. Um, but you know, it, it'll be a small group. I mean, you know, you don't want your 300 hour to be like as big as your 200 hour where everybody's learning at the same time. Cause 300 hour, there's a different kind of pacing, mm-hmm. uh, you know, there's, it's going a little bit deeper and it's a little bit more intense. Yeah. So um, it'll be intimate. I think eight people, eight to 10 people. Sweet. And, you know, it's not super expensive to get there. The weather is amazing in September, and uh, it's really stunning, stunning countryside. Well, that um, and how long will it will last? 
21 days. So Ooh. I'll probably go on a Vipassana retreat after that and not talk for a very long time. <laughs> 21 days, an intense schedule, and then there'll be some uh, video and projects for them to work on to make their hours up um, outside of the, the immersion. Okay. But the immersion is going to be pretty insane. Well, yeah, and just, I mean, getting there is so much more affordable than it was even like five years ago, it seems. I mean, we've, we've got like a nonstop flight from Indy to Paris that just happened in the last year. And, and if you plan far enough ahead, you can get it for like six or 700 bucks, <laughs> which is, oh wow, which is, yeah, I mean, you, you know, that's like a big plus for transatlantic travel, but, um, and so that's that sounds. And you're doing training in um, the massage thing in Atlanta. Mm-hmm. And between the September thing, do you get you got some workshops in Atlanta? Does that sound right? I have like six or seven workshops here, and then just getting ready for for the next batch of trainings. Last year it was six countries and six trainings. This year is a little on the lean side. I get to train myself for a little bit. Um, I say lean, but it's just like I, I have not a second free. But, um, you know, it's, it's good because it's, it's kind of – you need to have a little bit of time to get better at what you're doing. Um, you know, there's only so much training you can do without getting a little bit more, you know, extra tools and stuff. So, Yeah. Well, we have to get you on the calendar to do a, like a weekend workshop series here at City Yoga. Yeah, man, I'd love that. It's been a it's been too long for it's sure. Been way too long, yeah. Yeah. Well, we'll 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 compare our calendars and, and figure something out. That um um and Cambodia is when is that? That'll be June and August, I believe. I need to confirm those dates pretty okay. soon. All right. And, uh, I think I actually have jury duty in LA. I don't know how I'm going to get out of it. I've been getting out of it now for like, six, I'm like, I'm not there guys. Just please stop picking me. Uh, nope. We're just going to, we're going to, we're going to suck you back in, man. We need you on this jury. <laughs> Your civic duty. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah, they want your voice. So, but, uh, well, no, it's been, it's been super cool catching up now. Are there any topics or things going on we haven't touched on that you would you would like to share on as we start to kind of wrap up? No, I think we we covered all of the things. <laughs> the- musicals, musicals, comedies, tragedies. We've really covered every possible uh, every genre. I think we've discussed. Um, yeah, yoga is the jam, man. Yeah. Well, and and it's delightful to talk to you on this format and I think the listeners will love hearing about your your adventures and your antics around the world and and we'll have uh, all your contact info on the podcast notes as well as uh, you know social media stuff and all that fun stuff so if they want to look up what you're up to, there'll be a way to find you. And uh, I definitely want to get you back on here, you know, sometime in the future after some of these trainings and adventures unfold. And we'll definitely get you on the calendar. So Sounds good to me. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. And um, 
I Thank really you, Amazon City Yoga. Yeah. And, it's nice uh, chatting with you. Yes, yes, very, very cool. And for all our listeners out there, we really appreciate you tuning in, and we'd love it if you subscribe to our podcast and you know, give us a review. Those are always good. Send me an email with uh, whatever suggestions you have on future um interviews or guests and we'll be happy to do what we can to make that happen thank you for listening to the yoga voice brought to you by city yoga school of yoga and health where we are committed to exploring how yoga inspires and transforms find out more at www.cityyoga.biz that's c-i-t-y-o-g-a dot biz Special thanks to our producer, Brian Sims, for his audio expertise.